Welcome to From the Ground Out. Thank you guys so much for being here. This is our special year in review episode. 2019 is coming to an end. And we still don't know how to start the podcast. Yeah, we're so good at this. Oh, we are such professionals. So I think we're going to forego the normal intro stuff and we're just going to get right into it. We have a huge announcement at the probably towards the end of the podcast. If you guys want to stick by and hear our announcement and kind of our plans for the future, I can't wait to tell you guys all about it and all the things that we have in store here. I guess we can call it Port City Pythons. But we are alluding to the future, aren't we? No, no, I was like, no. <laughs> but maybe you will know what I'm talking about in an hour. So, podcasts. I think this year we really went for, we had a lot of biologists on, which is something kind of new. And a lot of times we kind of pick a theme to the year of who we're trying to get on. Or we have a string of people. And Darren, <laughs> his guess was we're journeying into Port City Squirrels. Which, that's fair. <laughs> so, I think, you know, this year we kind of went out of our comfort zone, had a lot of people on that. I mean, I know people don't even, uh, I know people who haven't done podcasts before and people who did other podcasts, but like biology podcasts. So it was super fun getting to know a bunch of new people because I feel like the first two years was all kind of in our more so in our comfort zone with kind of hobbyist and reptile keepers and breeders and this year we went to a well, lot of biologists and it's cool cool go ahead oh no you've just been talking for like five minutes straight and well, you were like fixing your hair waiting oh i can talk and do both oh. girls can multitask and some boys um <laughs> but i was you were saying that like in the beginning we had breeders on because they were in our comfort zone but i also just think it was easier to connect with other breeders because yes. it's like oh hey you know this person i know this person like or i saw your post in this reptile group that you breed this snake whatever whatever it gave us like more of an in um but with the like conservationists and biologists and all that it's like hey you have no idea who i am <laughs> yeah i can't even be like oh i like the I guess that's true because like breeders and keepers that we have on at least know of us or they look into so, us because they're know interested. Someone, they know someone who knows who us knows or us. With, there's some you know degree of separation. Um, but I wish I could remember. I wonder if we said this at the end of last year, like when you said you wanted to start doing more conservationist. Um, and I think your main reason what's doing the conservationist was just to like take what we're doing every day outside of our home because um, mm -hmm. a lot of breeders focus on you know what they're doing inside their home and they never you know think about how it affects the world outside and i mm -hmm. think that's why you wanted to do conservationist um and i just kind of rolled with it but <laughs> no i feel no, like you were into no, it just no, as much no as no 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 i'm not saying uh, cuz you did a lot no. of booking this year in comparison to I, to other years i wasn't saying i wasn't like not into it. i'm just saying like yeah. i rolled with that like belief, I was like, cool, yeah. yeah, I agree with that. But then as time went on, I think for me, the people we had on this year, I really want to showcase the variety of jobs you can get if mm -hmm. you are into reptiles. Because I think the cliche job that gets thrown at everybody is a zookeeper. And there's like a hundred paths to get even to that. Even to the zookeeper, yeah. right. But there's also like 10 zookeeper spots when that is probably being thrown at, you know, 400 people. Yeah, I think I heard, actually I was listening to the Animals at Home podcast, so shout out. 
And he was he talked to someone who was at a zoo who bred Komodo dragons. And she was talking about like for every for one zoo position, you know, they may get five hundred applicants. So that's how that's how cutthroat that I'm sorry, who did you say is. that was? Um a woman who works at a zoo who helped in breeding uh, Komodo dragons. Hmm. Which was super awesome. And so I thought it was interesting of just how competitive that is. And I think, uh, right. you know, some of our, if people are interested in biology, like um, our talk with Kara when she was like, she's been all over the country just going to all these different jobs and working on these different projects. And it's it's just crazy to see the amount of dedication that some of the people that we've had on have for their field. Right. I mean, whether it is reptile keeping, breeding, biology, conservation, all that good stuff. And a lot of people that we had on this year were also um, photographers. Uh, and that shows just people who are interested in reptiles, but like may not want to make it their full time job, but like want to showcase. And so I think having so many field herpers and uh, photographers on this year kind of. Oh, yeah. Know, we did also have a lot more field herpers. We had a lot of field herpers. I think what's important in that as reptile keepers and breeders or whatever you are who you're listening to this, I think it's important that we all know that it's not just us, meaning that we're not the only people who are interested in reptiles. Mm-hmm. There's also people who are biologists that are interested in reptiles. There's zookeepers that are interested in reptiles. There's <laughs> photographers. Photographers. There's all different kinds yeah. of people who are interested in it. And and like we need to make decisions kind of based on all of that with everything involved. And I think that it's interesting to take the different perspectives that we got from the year and Thinking about animals in the wild when we're keeping them in captivity instead of uh, sometimes you go to too many reptile shows in a row and you think that snakes come from deadly cups. So right. it's nice to to get that balance. And I think that really is a balance from like from harnessing the nature and bringing it into your home to going out into nature and finding, you know, snakes in the wild. Or I think also like defining or understanding like what the wild is because i think for most people you think you say the wild and they think like oh the amazon it's like yeah like we talked to paul rosalie and like about the amazon and like that type of wild but also there are these animals in your backyard and i think we know that but it's not something like many people think think about too much and so having people on gosh i hope this person was this year it's gonna be embarrassing if they don't um mike laureate laurette yeah he was this year um in florida who yeah. does that's that that double f that double, double l. l yeah yeah let it let it but Mike. having him on just like talking about like these animals truly in people's backyards yeah i mean in florida is like is like the wild because it is a different world. But it that was one of the podcasts I think I remembered a lot. So Just, Mike is the guy who, if you guys don't remember, he actually works at a nuclear power plant. He takes care of American crocodiles, basically. He's a biologist that studies what is going on, basically, with these American crocodiles and how is this nuclear power plant going to be a resource to them, you know, to use. And I think it was... He's doing amazing work, and it's also interesting to think that someone can be hired by a private company to do something like that. It's just amazing. And it's right there. It's not like he's driving, you know, like some people drive five hours out of the way. He doesn't have to live in the Amazon. He doesn't have to go to, like, uninhabited places to find these animals. Like, it's just right there. And that truly, I think, is what blows my mind. But then at the flip side... um, 
I'm not even going to pronounce his name. The gentleman we had on from the Netherlands. He's going to Morocco and going in water holes, climbing down ladders, pitch dark, and just putting his hands in there and like what he can grab. Like, yeah. That is insane. Taking cobras out of wells. I mean, that's, isn't that like TV show stuff? Like, that's what yes. someone would do. Like, that's exactly like, like what happened. Like Steve Irwin yeah. type thing. And you're like, but he's just doing that for his normal life. Like, right. If he was on TV doing that stuff, do you imagine? <laughs> like everyone, the well, everyone in reptiles would, would hate. It's it's hard because when you get into the reptile community, like especially on TV shows, and they're dealing with venomous, there's always somebody who's like, "You're doing it wrong," and it's like it's almost better just for your peace of mind to just do it. And uh, you know, there's no hundred percent safe way probably to take a cobra up from a well, you know, from a thirty foot well. So it's like someone can definitely pick that apart. Oh, oh yeah. So he would like, have two camps. There'd be one not. people who or one group love of people it. who loved him and think it's amazing that he's brave or whatever, and the other people are like, You're an idiot. And what I are think you doing? That's like the more time passes, the more you see that there's factions within, which is kind yeah. of what we were talking about before. And there's people who like certain things and don't like certain things. And um, we often judge people probably too much on what our people think is the right and wrong <laughs> thing. Like our group of reptile keepers and breeders, we keep these moral standards, but we lax on, you know, keeping our animals in a $5 tub, you know, like... Oh, God forbid you ever handle a certain snake this way, do that, or do that husbandry thing, you know, no one's using hot rocks or anything crazy, but but there's certain things that we believe in and certain things that we don't believe in as reptile breeders, and then there's certain things that people believe in as reptile keepers, and there's some people who just aren't that deep into it and are just fascinated by anyone playing with the animals, and we mm-hmm. need to realize that there is that faction of people out there, and that's actually the majority, not the minority. You know, the majority of the people are surface level. And so, therefore, to to make your or to judge someone based on that as far as their actions is kind of unfair because it's not for our <laughs> consumption. So, like, say, like a TV show blah 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 they're talking about vipers all this stuff even if steven Irwin was common or was current day um there would be probably most of the reptile hobby would like would hate him they would hate hate him yeah so i think it's i think it's always just funny to kind of look outside of our lens and see what different what different factions are going on and different things i mean it's human nature to judge people right yeah. Some people do <laughs> We're really it. good at it. Some people do it a lot more than others. <laughs> I am one of those people. If you've ever met me, you know I'm ridiculously unfairly judgmental. <laughs> and I fully acknowledge it. I wish it. I wasn't that way, but I can't. No, you're not. That. You're not. You're really? not. Babe, you're someone you always call me out for being judgmental. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I'm less. You're less. Which I, think- <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Oh, whoa, Kyle wow, said, did Kyle. you give yourself a haircut? Damn, what, are you saying his haircut's bad? Oh, wow. Okay, okay. Sorry, man. Maybe you should put a cowboy hat Apparently, on. I, yeah. <laughs> Apparently those Idaho haircuts, haircuts are, are top notch. Much better. Um, sorry, <laughs> that totally threw me off. But we are naturally judgmental. Some people are better than others. But I think... Well, the, the cow- thing is, I think the whole thing is if you weren't a judgmental people, some people aren't better than others. But but you, what? 
<laughs> I think if you were a non-judgmental person, you, you wouldn't would say, say that. that. No people. Are, <laughs> no, but equal. that's unrealistic. There's people are more. You judged. heard it. There's winners and losers. Yeah, exactly. No, but I think what the caveat is to that, at least the caveat to myself, is though I am so judgmental, I also understand that there's a need for certain things in our world. Mm-hmm. There's a need in our whole entire world and in the reptile world. Like there's definitely people I judge in the reptile world. That's because I'm a terrible judgy person. Mm-hmm. But I always follow it up. Like, but we need that person in this. We need that. We need that niche, or we need that whatever. Think- or we need that person talking about this, or we need that person doing it the way I don't like, or we need that per- like you know right. like. So yes, I am judgy, not to people's faces. Um, that's also a good thing, but, but I also understand like there's a place for people. Um, and just because you don't like it doesn't mean that we don't need that. You know, like I don't love people who completely wholesale. That's Mm -hmm. just not something I love, but I think we need, I think they're necessary part Mm -hmm. of our industry. And I think, uh, like Sid said in the comments, he said, you guys would probably judge my crappy wooden homemade racks. Which is true. I think a lot of times people see someone's room and they're like, oh, that's not where it should be, blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, I think we've all been there. I've had homemade racks. Probably anyone who's listening to this has had homemade racks. If you keep or breed, you've probably done this in one way or another. And that's just people forget that there is always a learning curve and there's different and there's also different ways of doing things as well as people are in different um, people are in different parts of their hobby as far as you may start off with a wooden rack you may breed animals you may make a thousand dollars from your animals that year it may not be pure profit but you roll that back and you buy a pvc rack so it looks nice and maybe one day you can breed enough snakes to where you get a stainless steel rack or something or if you're that high end yeah but it's not necessary and don't make anyone don't let anyone make you feel like that's necessary for you to make money because quite frankly or, or for, for you to keep your you healthy. To, yeah, yeah. For for you to spend extra money, I mean, and it's stretching you out, I would rather you build your own rack, save the money so you're able to keep the animal better. Yeah. Or build a two foot cage with plywood. I mean, you can do that for like seventy dollars. Yeah. I and, mean, some people out there probably judge us for keeping our babies in Chinese takeout containers. Yeah, of course. And if they want to not judge me and give me the money, then also for produce racks, 200 babies. Yeah, you can give me the money for, <laughs> for racks and I will stop. Like, most definitely. I will. <laughs> you, can, you can change that for me if you want. Um, but yeah, again, judging is human nature, but yeah. it's also recognizing the other side of it. Yeah, and no one's infallible, especially with keeping reptiles. God knows we're all doing the wrong thing. <laughs> and i mean and it is kind of growing in the way that we've seen we've seen keeping evolve at this point yeah you know we're seeing it kind of evolve right before our eyes and you know people change from keeping in plywood enclosures and building their own stuff and then they found out this beautiful commercial way to breed snakes which is tubs and racks and that works amazing for breeding snakes but now we're seeing that like 90 percent of pet owners are also keeping like that and i think we're seeing a swing back to more pet keeping and more building nice vivariums and stuff like that and that's kind of stuff that 
um, we've been interested in lately, and it seems like people are kind of ready to do more for their animals, and I'm kind of excited about that part of the hobby. But we've rambled on. I don't even know. How do we create this first 18 minutes of podcast? Me, because I'm real bad at rambling. But I wanted to talk. Um, sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, are you going to do the segue? <laughs> no, I you was going to do the segue. But another part of human nature, I'm really good at these, is wanting to grow. So while our goal for like our guest was like conservationist and kind of that thing. Um, and we don't pay much mind to what's going to be. We know when we when we book a guest pretty much, you know, who's going to be a big show and not. But we don't make our decisions based on who's going to be a big show or not. So. Right. And some of our best, some of our best podcasts, maybe or ones that we enjoyed the most, may not be the most listens. Ones that are listened to the most may not be the most we enjoyed, but for the most part, we enjoy all of them. Um, sorry, I have to answer Darren's question. He said, yeah. "Do you think other teachers judge you breeding snakes, and what is the perception?" No, I mean, not because they're teachers, they judge me. Just yeah, because they're humans. This, and just the, yeah, yeah. Just the rest of society. I think, I think if you keep or breed snakes, you gotta you're, yeah. you're gonna get used to that eventually. Yeah, but actually, one of my coworkers, her mom owned a um, pet shop when she was younger, so she also like kind of understands it. Um, but yeah, I don't think it has anything to do with them being teachers. Also, it probably also matters like what part of the country you're in. It seems like people in the south generally hate snakes. <laughs> and people up here are a little bit more forgiving probably because there's less snakes and there's and there's no dangerous ones like for the most part so uh, i feel like public perception kind of depends but it also on. depends on your school what type of school you're teaching yeah. and like all that kind of stuff so i wouldn't say as a whole um teachers judge me for anything they just don't under they actually kind of like it because then i can bring the snakes in and with the kids and stuff yeah which you don't do too often because i have children who eat things um, things in their mouths. Yeah, and the, yeah. So one teacher is okay with it. Most are just scared of snakes, just like the rest of the world. So yeah. it's it's not too much different than the rest of uh, my life. Wow, Kyle Phillips is going in on you tonight. Uh, I'm sorry for people not in the chat. Okay, so like I said earlier, another aspect of human nature is growth. So <laughs> is it for everyone? Yes. What we're trying to do. Well, if you let me finish, huh. growth isn't something I think that matters as much to you, but it's just kind of part of my human nature. I really like setting like benchmarks and trying mm -hmm. to reach them, except when it comes to working out. <laughs> uh, but in like all the rest of my life, like I really like being like, okay, I'm going to get here, except I do good in working out. When I like go run around the park, I'm like, okay, go to that stop sign. Yeah, I got to that stop sign. Now I can walk. Those kind of things. I like making like attainable goals for myself. And so with our podcast, at first I was like, oh, this month I want What I don't like is making goals for things that I can't control because it'd be like, I need to really put my all into the, you know, at the end of the day, there's, there's some things you can't control and there is a natural path, but yeah. So, but I still like doing it. Yeah, True. No, you're right. I, I don't have full control. That's why, over I, because it, I would go crazy if I just thought about the numbers and we wouldn't be doing this anymore. So it's but like, then that's why I haven't time, taken that, but I, I need you like to have that. At the same time, I think a lot of times we think our podcast isn't growing for whatever mm -hmm. reason, but then you go look at the like, um, quantitative numbers and it's like no like the numbers don't lie like the qualitative view of it, like how we feel about it 
you know, is obviously biased in some way or if we we've get, never felt stop cutting me off. That was a terrible accent. Sorry, people or an accent of voice I just made. You keep cutting me off. <sighs> Jeez. I I lost it. But wow. we, our view of our podcast is obviously biased. Or like when we get like a bad comment or like not a great review or whatever, like, oh, like we're not growing, people don't like us or whatever. But looking at the numbers, it doesn't lie. So mm-hmm. my goal for this year was to double our listens on SoundCloud. Um, I'm not taking in, you know, iTunes. I'm not taking in Spotify um, because our biggest source right now is SoundCloud for for listens. So last year we got 36.6 thousand listens, which sounds so little now. Um, 36,000 like. I didn't know you would say the actual numbers. I don't know if they matter. They matter to me. 36.6 thousand listens and this year we are currently at I believe oh, get the fresh numbs I believe oh, we oh wrong that. one not podcast because uh, you have stupid Android I was on my phone I would be able to do it um currently we are at 75,700 for this uh for this year so we have definitely doubled our listens which just, we just wanted just, to say that we doubled it. You know, that would that would be something to kind of hang our hat on, which is really cool. It's not something that I don't think that was our goal going in. I don't know if we thought that that was attainable. But I think that honestly, this year will be this upcoming year will be our biggest growth by far. By far. By far. Ryan was surprised, surprised SoundCloud was our biggest. I think so too, but that's just where we started. Like, I don't, we weren't on iTunes, I think, in the beginning. We definitely weren't on Spotify in the beginning. Yeah, iTunes or numbers are not great. And Spotify um, too, but that's because we've only. I never checked Stitcher. I don't know. Oh, I don't, I don't even know who uses Stitcher. Um, <laughs> But uh, I think Spotify will. Spotify, we were catching I think it, up. Yeah, I think it will eventually um, be our number one. This is too s- semantics for Sorry, no one listening. cares. Yeah. No one cares. But whatever, we doubled it, and it just feels good to know that uh, people are listening and we're getting more like engagement and stuff like that. Um, and we just want to continue to to grow over time. So again, this podcast is on SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, whoever listens to that, and iTunes. <laughs> Check us out. Tell your friends. Um, but speaking specifically of podcasts, we're going to go through our kind of top, top top podcast of the uh, of the year. Yes. So I'm sure <laughs> Kyle, he's killing me. I got to stop reading his comments tonight. Um, our top podcast of the year, I'm sure you can guess, is Emily and Ed of uh, Snake Discovery. Yeah, and thank you so much to Emily and Ed for coming on because not only was our top downloaded podcast, it was probably our best viewed video of the year. Yeah, um, of, was our ever, of ever, not that. of the year, probably. <laughs> no, no, okay, the DFW see. one is bigger. <laughs> no, there's a lot. There's a lot that are bigger, but, if, but okay. <laughs> yeah, but that one alone. Um, how many that accounts for like half, we probably got half as many views as we did downloads all of last year of that podcast. Um, so that was amazing. So thanks a big thanks to Emily and Ed for coming on and for sending us shirts. Yeah. And just for being cool people. 
And for and we met him at Tim Lakers. Yeah, um, we'll get to Tim. That podcast was just nice to see or to just ask some kind of detailed questions of like how they kind of do things, you know? Because it's crazy to think how many different things they do. I mean, and keep it together because they're breeding, they're keeping, they're making videos, and Emily's doing these educational shows, and now they're opening a public reptarium of some sort, because I saw them, they bought a building I saw on Facebook the other day, so and they already started moving well. stuff. They literally, it feels like they closed on it and started moving things immediately, immediately, so that's so exciting, and I can't wait to see what they do, because, you know, they're not only good keepers and breeders and educators, but they're good people. So I can't wait to see what they do. Yeah. And so that's why that was the top podcast. Second top podcast was Ron St. Pierre, who we only had on, uh, we only had him on like what, like a month ago? Yeah. Yeah. So that was only a, a few weeks ago. And, I mean, Ron St. Pierre's a legend, so I'm glad he got as many downloads as he did. I didn't, I wasn't sure whether to expect it or not, but I'm glad that it did so well because, you know, not only is he a legend in the reptile hobby and as far as reptile breeders and someone who's done it full time, you know, for a good amount of time. And <laughs> done crazy stuff for a good amount of time. Kyle just brought up that he made a living catching and like reselling anoles. Like, like still as a teenager. Who does that? I feel like it's like yes. the pet rock trade. <laughs> like I just feel like it is so crazy. But he made a living at it at in high school. Like from a teenager on. So if you guys want to listen to a cool podcast, listen to that one. And he's a he's super got knowledgeable. Some good story. Guy. Yeah, knowledgeable. Got some good stories and just hear. Hear stuff about the reptile industry over time. And for um, being such a legend, he is such a nice, normal person. Yeah. Uh, okay, next one. <laughs> next one. Okay, this is probably the most one of the most fun I've had on a podcast. And usually that is scary because it's either like... We're drunk. No one will listen or, <laughs> or everyone we're, will listen. We're, in or a, we're drunk. Inappropriate. We're inappropriate. We're offensive. <laughs> And which was probably all of these in this podcast. So if you can guess by those three <laughs> adjectives, the next top podcast was um, <laughs> Mike and Colin of Crosstown Exotics. And what's funny is that's another one that's like recent. Yes. Like Ron and Mike and Colin has been in the past couple months. But I'm happy about this one because... Because it's recent and all the podcasts around it didn't necessarily get as many listens. So I know that people listened to Mike and Collins and told other people to listen because <laughs> it was good. So it's like I'm glad that that happened because we were like, oh, this went pretty deep. Like this is not PG at all. And it was, no, it's not PG And we had so much fun doing it. So I'm glad that that one got attention. Yeah. And I mean, we like to have fun sometimes on these yes. podcasts. Uh, we definitely still want to learn and like get, but like you still learned about leeches, right? <laughs> you learned about things you may not have thought you would want to learn about, but you did. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I guess are we gonna leave it at that? I don't know. You cut me off in the middle of my sentence, so I couldn't finish my thought. Oh, uh, but yes, like we like to have fun. We like to you know get stuff out there, but. It there's 
we should al- be allowed to do silly episodes like that. I never want to get um, to the point where, and we were kind of teetering on this point, are we like corporate enough to treat this that seriously? Or do we need to keep it within I the lines and not have allo- fun like that? I think we should be allotted, you know, that every so often, especially when it's like with our friends. Mm-hmm. Um, but like you said, you still learned about leeches. <laughs> you still learned... Yeah, lots of things about the internet <laughs> um, and different types of things. But uh, so definitely, if you want an inappropriate, offensive, I actually don't think we were drunk. Not offensive. Um, some people were offended by uh, it. Mainly because it was not about snakes. They were offended yeah. by that. Not like actual offensive things, but they were offended because it was not about reptiles. You know, or cool haunted houses. Learning about cool haunted yeah. houses or how it, they do it in uh, like TV and stuff like that definitely um listen to Colin and Mike's episode. And I think that that's if if we are doing this podcast in the way that we typically do, what we're doing is pulling out stories about people that are doing cool things and doing things that other people might want to do for their life. So I I hope that people are interested in Colin and Mike's episode to begin with because they wonder how can you be an educator? How can you do these shows? How can you get your animals in movies? All these different things that they did and kind of what is behind these, like who are these people really? Because at the end of the day, everyone's just a normal person. And I hope people find inspiration that we're all just normal, silly people who like to have fun and what? Sorry, someone asked what your beer was, so I was yeah. trying to do it slightly. So I, I hope that that's what gets across is the fact that, you know, you get a glimpse into people's lives that do very interesting things and above all else, love reptiles. Love reptiles. And bugs or whatever people are into. Love animals. Love animals. Okay, moving on. Moving on up. N- Sorry, the heater is making a really weird noise. Um, The next top podcast was... You want to say it? Yes. So the next one was actually Brian Cusco and Garrett Hartle. Of Searchable as Reptiles and Reach Out Reptiles. There you go. They should have an episode out today. If they don't. He just posted. I saw on Facebook he posted something like a loving Brian post for all the edits and stuff. So I think it should be coming out soon. Either today or soon. Um, so that was another somewhat recent. When was that? Yeah. I mean, no, that was a couple months ago. ago. But it was nice. You know, it's always nice to have Garrett. Well, Garrett and Brian are both always really good podcast guests and we had a really good conversation. And I think that uh, it was a good one. I'm not surprised by that one. That one is a little silly, too. Oh, yeah. I mean, you got to be, especially because their podcast, they're trying to make it, you know, their not professional setting in a way of uh, they're trying to act as normal as possible. Yeah, if that makes any regular, sense to try to be normal people, people right. having fun. So and we were normal people having fun. So I would like yeah. you guys to check out. Did we get well. like super deep into We didn't cry like last like time. last time with Garrett. But I can't remember, like, did we get super deep into reptile stuff or really kept it surface level? Oh yeah, I mean, we didn't talk about like breeding super dwarf retics. Right. We just talked about like 
them and the reptile industry and all that As good a whole stuff. And that kind the of stuff, stuff that yeah. the stuff that like hardcore guys want to talk just about. sit around and talk about. Like I feel like that's something you know, like if we were at Carpet Fest or whatever. Like, right. Just sit around yeah. and kind of talk about. Um, but it's on the podcast. Yeah, it's like it's something that appeals to you know people, keepers and breeders who are pretty hardcore and want to like learn about. How the hell did Brian get the Tinley this year? What was Garrett's setup for Tinley this year? You know, things like that. Things that we're all kind of interested in as keepers, breeders, sellers, vendors, blah, blah, blahers, whatever blah, we are. Blah, blahers. And our last to round up the top five, which is very surprising is this last one. I would not expect this at all. No, no, I didn't expect it because it's a podcast with just us. But at the same time. It was post-Tinley. I mean, a lot of people actually have said their some of their favorite episodes are just us, Those which I don't understand because we don't really talk about anything. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just us going back and forth. And um, so I don't quite understand it. Um, but like that somehow our post-Tinley was the best. Now, I do have to say it is probably because Emily... Um, released a video of her Tinley. Was that before? Or was that oh, or was that? Honestly, I saw a bunch of people putting out their Tinley content, and it was all such a whirlwind. I knew that our podcast was definitely the first podcast, but also one of the first pieces of content talking okay. about Tinley. So that's why I decided to get it out so quick. But I think Emily's video, Emily... Like, from, it all came out, like, Right, right. Same. But I think... So, Emily made a video. Emily of uh, Snake Discovery made a video about Tinley and included us in it. And so, I think that probably had an effect on that post-Tinley podcast because just a lot of people found us um, and checked it out. But I think you're all, you're underestimating how much the reptile industry... The people who didn't go to Tinley. Like, search Tinley. How much they're like, what did I miss out on? What happened? And so many things happened. And especially this year, I feel like, was it just crazy year? And I'm, it was amazing. I mean, it was your first Tinley. How'd you feel about it? Well, we already talked about this in the post Tinley. No, I know. But kind of looking Uh, back. I mean, looking back. It, I want to go to Daytona, which is, I guess, not my view on Tinley, but I just want to compare them because yeah. I think, to be honest, a lot of talk at Tinley was about Daytona. I think you can, comp- like, we naturally compare the two biggest shows. But I think like, now uh, Tinley is hands down better than Daytona. But I think being in the Colubrid space, we have a lot of old school guys who still like to do Daytona, Daytona. So it's definitely still a thing that we need to. We need to go down yeah. for 100%. And plus, it's nicer than Chicago. <laughs> well, but one Let's more. be honest. Um, but I think it was just so nice to just, one, see the standards that reptile shows can mm-hmm. be held to and that it's possible. And vendors, too. And vend- right, right. That vendors can be held to and they will meet those standards if you uh, set that expectation clearly. And I think a lot of reptile shows just don't have that expectation, so the vendors don't meet it. But I think if you make that hard and fast expectation, then they will meet it. I I mean, there was some tables there that I that did not meet my expectations or what <laughs> I thought they should have for Tinley. But that's that always is going to happen, and there's a place for those people in this world. But for the most part... That's your new outlook on life, right I there. say that a lot in my head, and I'm trying to say it a lot more Because <laughs> I think that's loud. where I just came... 
I came around to that. I think that's something that we've been trying to get to this year. How many shows we've been vending and doing is we've been kind of making amends with how the reptile industry works and it doesn't all happen the way we want it to. And I think we've been vocal on that. But at the same time, I don't want to discourage things because, like you said, everyone kind of has their place in the industry. Although some things really irk me. <laughs> I just got to know that, you know, some people have to eat and feed their families. <laughs> and what are you going to do? <laughs> I mean, I would choose to get my meals in a different way. But <laughs> it sounds you... very strange. <laughs> How do you want your meals? I, I don't know. Meals. I don't need to do it in... I want on a my, bed of dead sunbeam snakes. Or I want my meals like Spy Kids where it's one thing and I press a button and it's McDonald's. That's how I want my meals. Or That's like Smart House when it makes you yes. milkshakes for you like, and stuff. You know I want a whole Smart House. I don't care how many government agencies are living right listening to me. Every agency can listen to me if I could have a Smart House. Could yeah, care Google's less. making a fortune off of all of our data. Yeah, they can know how many stupid things I order off Amazon. I don't care. <laughs> but I definitely want a smart house but that's totally off topic and that's how these episodes go when it's just us um, but like you said wow totally lost my train of thought what are we talking about I think I think our <laughs> biggest move this year was the fact that we were going to produce more and we knew going into it that we were going to have to do a lot more shows and we definitely did that yeah and Tinley being the biggest one like we said like Again, thank you to Matt but it felt for so making different. that happen. Yeah. Oh, Tom. Tom, Tews. you're so amazing. Nice. Thank you, Tom. Tews. Thank you, super everyone, chat. for you're all amazing. your donations and super chat. And we haven't thanked our Patreon members in a while. We should definitely do that. Just everyone for just being everyone here. for being so awesome. It's so and silly. Amazing. We, like, except we just for my devil children and... who are driving me crazy. You know, we just talk into these microphones, into these do microphones. what we do, and people are so nice. So thank you, everyone who supports us for Putting living our there. lives, man, yeah. and trying to get reptile information out there as well. Um, Yo, so Greg. Next, next review of this year, top experiences. Um, so we kind of talked about that with Tinley, like just going, and it was very kind of like, awesome to like meet so many people who are like hey listen to you on the podcast like hey watch your videos and i'm in my head i'm like no one knows who we are we're nobody like tinley is so big there's a sea of like legend after legend in the reptile world in a way it is it's kind of a double-edged sword in a way you see how high the mountain is and then at the other point you know that you're at the bottom of that mountain, but that even at the so. but at the bottom, people still know you. <laughs> yeah, and it's so like you know, we good. have a small, we have a reasonable following of really cool people, and I truly appreciate that. And we are thankful just to have people care is kind of weird. Like it doesn't feel any, like it doesn't. I don't know what normal people feel like, but. <laughs> I'm super exhausted, but I'm definitely about to Are cry. Are you going to cry? Yeah. <laughs> That's what I was kind of looking at you, like seeing if you... <laughs> I'm going to hide behind my But microphone. it's crazy because most people, whether you consider this a job or a business, we're just doing kind of what we believe in, how we believe it in a way, to our standards, to 
and also getting information that we believe is important in order to change or at least add to the conversation of things that are going on. So, and that takes people listening and all the people who comment nice things is super, super nice. So Only thank the you. people who comment nice things. All the people, people who talk about how uh, Melissa's boobs, they get two thumbs up. Okay. Didn't need okay. That'll stop my tears real quick. Um didn't need to bring that up. Oh. What? Those are the fun ones. Those are the ones that I laugh at because they make you uncomfortable. Oh no. But then I find again you funny. kind of see as a compliment. Oh, I think they're too. hilarious. Well, who wouldn't see those compliment? No, I don't know. Some <laughs> okay. people be like creeps, but at the same it's like, come on, there's, there's a guy and a keyboard. I just think it's funny. It's hilarious. I mean they're not gross. Like if they get gross, I don't get like the gross ones. Um there's some girls who get like the gross ones i don't get those so i just think they're fun. yeah like too in depth you don't need too many yeah. details about things adjectives not oh, good gosh, stop 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 <laughs> let's stop talking about body parts <laughs> um okay other top experiences your top experience so my top experience this year was something and being in pa i knew it was a possibility but going to see timber rattlesnakes was really and thank you to alan who made that trip possible he had the passes to go on the mountain he told me how to get like the reptile stamp he had the quad he brought us up and we made that video so if you guys want to check out that rattlesnake video no one else watched it so if you watch it you might be the first one <laughs> <laughs> but i have to say that was one of the best experiences i've ever had to see a rattlesnake in the wild a timber rattlesnake at that large like dark animal that and just to see how wide and thick they were in the wild even was just like what the hell it was like like perfect specimens <laughs> and it was just cool that we found a few yeah i'm so glad i didn't go <laughs> watching the video and like all your footage like nope glad i wasn't there except i would have loved to ride in uh, atv just because i like those but yeah i do not need to get that close to a rattlesnake ever yeah i mean it's not everyone's thing um i still haven't posted the pictures of me tubing it have i it's in the video isn't it um i don't think so it's one of those things it's one of those things like what i said before people would just judge me for doing it wrong or right or in between (laughs) so i just don't post it someone will be like you're free handily it was tubed i mean it was in a tube but not worth the criticism we needed to check the the sex of the animal and that's how you do it yeah. Um, and my, guess what? I still still alive. Still alive. Still have all fingers. Got them. My top experience of the year isn't actually like one specific thing, but mm-hmm. I think it's just doing more shows. Um, I always have loved the social aspect of um, the reptile industry and everything that we do. I'm just naturally a social person. Life, yeah. Life. <laughs> no, like, like in life you're a social I'm person. I'm a social person. And I'm not. So I've always really liked the show aspect and in Texas, like that's where I really like felt like we were close with a lot of the people at the shows, like hanging out at each other's tables, like drinking, chatting. Being degenerates more so. (laughs) Well, that's where you bond. That's when you bond. (laughs) When you're being a degenerate. Yes. Um, But and so it's like I missed that when we left. We're kind of like all business on the Northeast. I missed that when we left Dallas. Yeah. Um, and so I was happy. No, still, like Joe said, it's not the same kind of culture in the Northeast shows, but I was still happy that we were um, 
we were doing more shows mm. and just getting to talk to more people and meet more people. And I think it also influences us and like what we might want to breed or like, you know, noticing like what people kind of don't know about corn snakes or snakes in general. This gener was like going through the gauntlet of trying to figure out I finally got a good idea of what people are into, what people are looking at, what people are buying, what people aren't buying. So I thought it was a really illuminating experience from from that point of view. <laughs> it's hard. You keep on saying that I cut you off. Yes. Talk when because I... <laughs> you throw me off and then I start reading the chat oh, and I'm man. not prepared. Because I was saying in general and I got gin out and then you... Uh... <laughs> but... Uh... And then I start reading the chat and not listening to you, and that's what Thank I need you. to stop doing. I need to stop uh, reading the chat. Okay. Um, and also at shows, we get to, like, I get more practice, basically. Like, as you, you know, you guys know, Joe's the one who knows almost every morph and all the genetics and reads all the books and everything like that. Like, that's not me. Everything I've learned pretty much about snakes and it has been through these podcasts through joe and just through experience like mm -hmm. i am not a snake book reader i've literally never read a snake book in my life or even a chapter or even a full page <laughs> um so everything is through experience and i'm upfront about that but being doing the show so much and getting to talk more about our animals it's good practice for me, you know, talking about what Tessera is, talking about what Annery does, and talking about the effects that those have, or explaining, you know, what is amelanistic, what is aneurysteristic, like, what are those, what happens when you combine those two things, all those kind of stuff, it's just good practice for me, and I, I kind of feel like I'm learning more by people's questions, and, like, learning what is it that people, like, are interested in and want to really know about a snake, or how to best introduce a person to a snake. You know, everyone who hasn't held a snake before, they're a little bit different. Um, and so Joe and I get to practice like different ways to hand it to them or talk to them about it before or convince them just to touch it or something, you know, that kind of stuff. And I think I'm coming actually from like the opposite perspective in which you're kind of always telling me you're kind of over talking. Meaning in the way of you are saying things that the person may not necessarily understand just because the context is within. We're speaking in like breeder talk. A lot of times people will ask me, is that male? How old is that male? And I'll tell them their breeding age. <laughs> and you get right. mad at me for that. I don't get mad at you. It's just like, yeah, he's a proven breeder. <laughs> right. Joe. <laughs> Joe's kind of dumbing down and I'm smartening up. <laughs> that doesn't sound smart No, you're to say just, that. You're just getting the... competent in exactly what our product but is. What's and the what opposite of on. dumbing down? <laughs> smartening up. <laughs> if you want to be very literal. That sounds yeah. dumb to say smartening up. But yeah, you're... You're just becoming competent. <laughs> it sounds wrong to call me incompetent. 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 <laughs> I wouldn't consider myself incompetent. incompetent, but thanks. Um, but yeah, it's true. It's like there's so many things you say that you don't even realize that the average person want to understand, right. like proven breeder. So like, I have like I have so many blind spots in that way because we talk to so many breeders. Yeah. Before I met you, if you had said proven breeder, truly no idea what that would mean. Or right. if you're like breeding age, cool. 
Great. Let me go Google that on the or side. Or even so saying fuzzy add. mouse. You know, mm-hmm. people don't know what you're talking no, about. No. Even pinky mouse. Pinky. Not all of them know what a pinky is. Yeah. People don't know what they're going to feed this animal. So there's a lot of education that has to happen in order to make a sale, not just make a sale, but to have them take care of the animal correctly. And, uh, you know, a big thing that we learned is people lose the animals. How can we, how can we educate in a way that will minimize these risks from happening so baby corn snakes are so small how can we beat someone over the head and we've probably lost sales because of this but how do we beat people over the head with what to keep these things in and how serious keeping them under wraps is and we just got more diligent and more diligent over time and uh i mean i don't know if it's made in effect i mean i would hope so hopefully people are listening to us and you know hopefully someday we can provide them something better and to make it a little bit easier for them to to keep their corn snake correctly or any animal for that matter because we want to see every person going to a reptile show you know coming home not only coming home with an animal but one that they know how to keep (laughs) because most of the time (laughs) most of the time they lose it. They lose it. Like people in the chat. No, just kidding. Um, I mean, I tell that. now, it's funny because now like new customers are people who come up to our table. Like I tell them straight up, at least 40% of our customers have lost Yeah, their like animals. we're not joking. Yeah, I've lost their animals. This is not, don't put an extra book on top of the fish tank. We got to we gotta rethink how we're doing this. Thing. Yeah, and I think... Before people, we would just be like, oh, like they're escape artists, like they can get out. And now I'm like, no. They will. They can, they will. (laughs) People have told us they did. Um, So lock them up. (laughs) Lock them up. (laughs) Um, It's just necessary. And having that percentage to be like 40%. Is is scary and alarming, but it's true. And so, listen. And to I us do so not want to produce it. snakes for them to die, guys. I don't. So, whatever I can do to stop that from happening, I want to do it, and I want to do it better every single year because, because I don't even know how people have been selling corn snakes this whole time, and I've never heard anyone complain about this or find a solution. So. It's kind so of pathetic. a solution. Like Sarah just said, she put those little locks on the aquarium, and I didn't realize Aaron said that's how she lost her. She had her little locks. Mm-hmm. So, what would you suggest to Sarah? Sliding to do? tops. That's what I thought you were sliding say. tops. Put There's the just tops. no other option. I mean, those little those those fish tanks they have the the metal just kind of bent over. They always have those open corners, like a little lip. Yeah, kinda. and they, they figure it out. I don't know how. All right, I don't know. <laughs> they figured out. Ask Erin. She had she had the clips on both sides of her little fish tank and got out. And it got out. They find a way. Find they need way. the smallest little crack. And they're persistent. Um, speaking of like a customer, Benjamin Yunker, who if you saw something uh, back earlier in the year, we showed videos of his time-lapse recordings. And I saw his snake, I mean, for like 20 minutes, kept poking, kept poking at the corner, just trying to get out for so, so long. Like, they and will keep trying. And then what I found out is that when they do find a weak spot, not only will they get out, but if you put them back in, they're good at finding they remember the same it. exact they spot. They find it again, yeah. Yeah, I don't know if they remember it, but they find the same exact <laughs> spot. I don't know. Definitely. Um, bringing up... Benjamin Yunker reminded me. So we showed his time-lapse videos 
on these things that I consider a failed experiment <laughs> called, uh, or what was the name Ground of it? Bites. Ground Bites. So I don't remember the summer or some point in the year, like Joe came to me and he was like, I want to do more. Like, I want to tell people more about us. Like, I want to give them more. Not everyone can listen to the two hour podcast, but I want people to like hear more from us. And I was like, okay, babe, like, I don't think it's going to work, but okay, we'll do it. And he's like, no, it's just 15 minutes. We can do 15 minutes a day. Yeah, what's the big deal? What's the big deal? (laughs) So whenever we started it, I don't remember when, we went to Facebook because you can do Facebook Live and we're like, we're going to do 15 minutes a day to just talk about whatever because so many things happen in our snake, in our snake, personal snake collection every day or, you know, every week, but we We don't get to talk, we don't get to talk about it on the podcast usually because we have a guest and we're talking about the guest. So the Facebook 15-minute ground bites were supposed to be us talking about our personal thing. (laughs) That lasted... We did it for too long, though. I mean, like, at the end, we were, like, going crazy. It was lasted maybe, like, a month. No, not even. Two months? No, no, I I think it was, like, three weeks. Who cares? Whatever. We realized, one, we can't talk just for 15 minutes. It is too short, especially with the chat people would start asking questions and it would just go on for longer. So it was almost like we were doing podcasts every day. Yeah. Um, and it just got, <laughs> it got way too much. In addition to our schedules are way too crazy. I mean, I have so much more respect for people who put out vlogs every day because I don't know how they do it. We couldn't get 15 minutes a day down. Um, now caveat, it is two of us. I don't know how many people are doing daily vlogs every day with two people. I mean, I'm sure there's that. But I mean, there, but also but... keep in mind full-time jobs plus side things that we both do. Right. That's what I mean. Like I babysit at least three times a week, sometimes four times a week. Um, yeah. Or I have like a work thing where I have to stay late, you know, or something else. Or like Joe needs to feed the snakes that night because during the day he was doing his day job. So it was just way too hard. Or it's like, God, we're just tired and don't feel like talking, you know? Yeah. In order to... In order to create a decent piece of audio, you should at least be like half awake. Yeah. And we couldn't and have always some provide sort of plan. that kind of uh, yeah. enthusiasm. And yeah. yeah, and have a plan and talk, you know, you got to talk about what you're going to talk about, kind of outline what you're going to talk about. So, right. so yeah, so that was basically a little bit of a, I mean, it's not a failed experiment. It was just an experiment. And uh, <laughs> we had fun while it lasted. It was difficult. And Sorry to everyone who we said we were going to do it every day and it and it dropped. But if you know us by now, you know you're on the ride with us Whether we for whatever we do. <laughs> We've started things, stopped things, but we're always trying to do more and try new things. And, and it's and- also like, was that really, you know, doing something amazing for us for the amount that it was detracting from our life? You know, no. And that's why we ultimately canned it. And that's the way things go. It's... Um, at this point, we're at a point where we're working so much that we need to do the essentials. And if we need to cut out doing 15 minutes every day to better take care of animals, better make take money to take care of our bills and do all that stuff, then that's what we got to do. And that's kind of a – I feel like this year was a whole year of kind of – We tried of, so many new things. In – in a way, and I and I felt like I was looking back on this year, and I felt like we stood still. But in a way, 
that's not i mean i know that's not true at all like the springtails you weren't doing that last year right that was all this yeah and that's honestly the most profitable thing in our business more than the snakes no Mm, profitable like margin wise or just like raw numbers yeah so it's like that that honestly is the only part of our business that's like an actual business that's crazy yeah springtails yeah yeah (laughs) it's so stupid right I don't know. It's like we've worked so hard on everything else but that, and I just kind of took a chance, and it's there. And I think this has been the year of chances in our relationship, personally and professionally. You are much more of a risk taker. I'm really only a risk taker on Amazon. You are so (laughs) straightforward. It is annoying. I am just always weighing the pros and cons and for almost every decision the cons outweigh the pros well you are you you sway kind of like we were talking about judgmental pessimists you say we didn't say pessimist but you can add that in there (laughs) but but when it comes to when it comes to the ideas and the risk taking you are pessimistic which is nice because i could totally ruin my life and put that shit on fire like if i go too much with my own risk taking and I think I think this year we took mediocre risks and we failed. You know, a lot of things didn't take off, and we got down on it. And I kind of I got overwhelmed with breeding and kind of a lot of things didn't go as planned. So this was like we discussed earlier. I was first disappointed in the year uh, when I looked back and I was like, "Damn, we should have done more. We could have done more." But I think that we learned a lot and I think why it felt like we could have done more is because we've done so many things and kind of and so many more shows and so many things in person like so many different things that I didn't even like realize they just became normal over the year but I was like damn we actually tried a lot of a lot of new things but you know a lot of things didn't work out there's a lot of things we liked a lot of things we didn't like but what we did is we learned a lot and a lot of that was our our breeding season. So our breeding season was affected so much this year by our move. So if you guys don't know, we live in Philly. We've been here for like a year and a half now. Um, Hence the yingling. So we moved here August 2018. Um, So that was, you know... Into a dumpster fire of a situation. Well, let's not even talk about that. How funny that you said dumpster fire and Kyle Phillips used that emoji. Um... But uh, so this is our first breeding season here. And I don't know if call us incompetent. No, but I, d- I don't like to overthink things. We, did, we didn't overthink yeah. it. Exactly. We thought like, oh, okay, we were successful in Dallas. Like, let's just do the same thing. We'll let's not panic. Here. Let's do the same thing. Right. Let's do what we always do. Yeah. And we did not take into account how much the difference in Philly mm. in our house. It's it's the house, it's, the it's, room, the northeast. It's right. It's everything. It's so very different mm-hmm. than in Dallas. And we really kinda hurt ourselves not taking that into account. This year, I mean, a lot of people across the board mm-hmm. had issues. And so I want to say that's at a, least in the northeast. That's a part of it, but obviously it can't be all of it, right? But I think um so this year if you guys don't know, if you're new listeners we still produce a lot of animals this year. More than we did the previous year. Right. Yeah. But I would say we had at least a half of like three clutches did not 
come out the egg. And it was mostly those kind, those particular clutches that if it didn't work out, it's like a knife twisting in your gut. And that just happened in a row, in a row, in yeah. a row, in a row. And I was just... And it almost, I don't know, this is, I mean, hindsight, hindsight's 2020, but I'm saying, like, it would have been better, or to me, it would have hurt less if, like, the snake hadn't ever formed. Like, if it was just, like, a bunch of slugs, there was nothing in there, you know, whatever. But so many of our eggs were, like, fully formed, 99% done snakes. And they just, like, something in that last 1%, something messed up. They're fully formed dead in the end. I, I, I think it was harder to get ones like that. Like, I think if they had not formed, like, if we didn't get to see what it would have looked like or whatever. I mean, even if a girl if easier. a girl lays slugs, I'm good. But we had, you know, we had great fertility. Yeah. Great fertility like we typically do. And then... Bam, we just had these incubation problems. And corn snakes typically aren't hard to incubate, so it's kind of silly to think that we had these problems. But these are things that we got to think about in this upcoming year, and that's really that's part of this learning experience that yeah. we're talking about this year. So definitely, like, more changes we're going to make as to how we incubate eggs, um, whether it's, you know, making a closet, putting insulation in, and, like, all, you know, whatever it is, we're definitely going to, put more thought into it this yeah. year just so that we can have a better uh, season. And Aaron, we do not usually cut eggs. Um, we did cut some this year just because we would have, you know, three come out the egg and then it'd be four days have passed and the rest aren't coming out. And I'm like, what and is going on? And I didn't see any more success right, from right. cutting. And so that's, they were done though. Yeah, that's why we cut them. Um, but we don't we don't usually cut. It's not like because they didn't have an egg tooth. It's not like half of our babies came out with right. eggs, egg without egg tooth. Egg teeth. Teeth. Egg teeth. <laughs> egg tooth teeth. And it's uh Yeah. So it's just so, kind of and it's it's hard when it was, you know, the palmettos. Oh no. No, the palmettos oh, didn't get that a was a whole separate story. thing. That's a whole separate thing. But there was a lot of clutches that could have produced some really, really awesome animals and it didn't happen. But like Todd Danielson said, it's something to learn from. It's definitely something we learn from and it's definitely something we're gonna try harder at next it's year. It's one of these seasons that I hear people talk about and they're like, Yeah, every once in a while you're gonna get a bad one. And yeah. it's gonna sting, but you're gonna keep on going. And yeah. I feel like that's exactly where we hit. Uh, it's um, stung. Yeah. And one of the big reasons it's stung is the palmettos, like you said. Yeah. So we have two het palmettos, a male and a female. And our plan was to breed them last year because palmettos are both Joe and I's favorite uh, morph of corn snake. It is just beautiful. There's just nothing else like it. Like, Especially set. when their eyes are like as big as their head. <laughs> Stop. My eyes are beautiful. Uh, beautiful blue eyes. Beautiful blue eyes. And, uh, shoot, sorry. But if you listened earlier, we did not produce any palmettos this year because when we put the male palmetto with the female, or the male het with the female het, um, they did not go. And our first thought was like, well, we at least want something. So we put the female with someone, or do we put the male with someone else or we put the female with someone else? We put the female with yeah, someone sorry, else. Yeah, sorry, we put the female with someone else. Um, and so we did produce some other animals, but we for some reason and just the height of it all forgot that we put her with someone else so the whole time that the eggs are incubating we are thinking we're getting palmettos because we had completely because forgotten because I had seen her, her lock with the het palmetto 
but I did not see her lock with, with the, the other, ghost. Right, we didn't realize she had locked. And so we put her back with the male head palmetto later, and they did lock, but she had already locked with the ghost um, male earlier. Right. And so that was really, really hard. I think if we had, like seen the lock and accepted it while the eggs were like known while the eggs were incubating it's, that it's we weren't getting it but it's like you see the eggs and it's like hatch day and then you see one pip and then it's brown and it's like and that's like, not a we palmetto. still have a chance and we kept waiting kept waiting more and more like okay none of these are palmettos we and then up. all of a sudden there's a purple one and of course it's dead in the egg because we couldn't have the ghost het palmetto come out we had to have just normal tessera het palmettos and normal het palmettos come out we couldn't of course have one of them live that it was a ghost het palmetto because that would be too easy so uh, yeah so that's where we are in the palmetto project it was a little salty it got a little salty there and uh but we're learning but we had a lot of first breedings yeah so in that respect, like we definitely have to pat ourselves on the back for that. And next year, we're going to continue to have even more first breedings. So like Todd said, um, we are going to breed um, Mexican Black King Sinks next well, you're year. you're pretty confident, aren't if you? If you have followed us for a couple of years, you know we have really bad luck with gender of uh, Mexican Black King Sinks. We ended up with like, what, three males at one point? Or yeah, something we've like had that. Them throughout our collection, but <laughs> I don't want to talk about that. I okay, want to talk the about future. the fact that we bred. No, I want oh. to talk about the fact that we bred for the first time. Oh yeah, sorry. We bred um, Florida King Snakes okay. for yeah. the first time, and unfortunately, after the breeding season, we lost our female, which was bittersweet. It's another one of those. Even though the clutch was fine, and we incubated all the eggs, we ended up losing our adult female, which is something that happens, but. It was really one of those disappointing things, but we have a bunch of cool uh, babies growing up, some Brooks babies that are looking great, so I'm excited about the future of that. So, And that was our first time producing uh, Florida king snakes, and it was really cool. It was the first time breeding king snakes in general, and it was frightening. Uh, you know, they like to try to eat each other. And they really do try to eat each other, at least with our animals, and I think that maybe that's kind of... Because sometimes since we produce many corn snakes, we have corn snakes that don't come out. I mean, we just talked about half of our clutch being dead in the egg, right? So uh, we can feed things off to king snakes. And maybe our king snakes have a special affinity for snakes because they try to eat each other. All the time. All the time. Speaking and of king snakes, <laughs> you also bred EBKs this year. Yes, Eastern Black king And snakes. those were also like, while it was a success, success it was also disappointing. Thank we you, did, Mike Kosicki. Yes, we did not get as many as we wanted because um, only mm -hmm. one female went, right? Yeah, yeah. And that was kind of a thing where I was taking the risk late season to, to breed these females. I got them from Mike, you know, when he was like, I'm either going to, you know, shit or get off the pot i guess would be the the right expression to where he's like i'm either gonna breed these or i need to move them on for someone to breed because it's that time and he sent them to me and i bred well i tried to breed two of them and then i had one lay slugs it was just too late and then the other one laid a fertile clutch so i mean i was happy about that uh we have two babies that are eating now and the other ones are still being assist fed so only two. <laughs> so it seems like it seems like everything that happened everything good that happened has a reverse you know reaction you know was that uh, I, 
Einstein's theory of relativity? Or is that something else? I'm about to sound really fucking stupid. I Definitely don't that. ask me if you want to hear a yeah. smart comment about Einstein. <laughs> I don't think it's Einstein. I'm, I'm blanking someone help in the chat. Let's just stop talking about science because we're not good about that. Wow. Yeah, uh, this is a in the science genre podcast. Okay. <laughs> um, so other than that, you, Brad, and I feel like some of these I'm saying you, Brad, because I definitely didn't have help <laughs> I did not help breeding anything other than the corns. I was definitely there true. a part of an into the corn breeding, but pretty much everything else I was not into. Specifically, the Louisiana pine snakes, because I want nothing to do with them, period, ever, for infinity. Yes, yeah, so that's your reaction to us breeding the rare snake in North America. Thank you for your support. Remember uh, I told you I'm judgmental, even of snakes. Yeah, yeah. So we did end up having, and our girl laid two fertile eggs with one slug. And just to have a Louisiana pine snake in my collection has always been, and I've had them, you know, for four to five years now. So five for our elderly adult male. And then our female, actually, I tried them at three years. Turns out they like to go at four. So people have told me that most likely you're going to have to breed them at four years old. And that was exactly the case. So, And honestly, I had someone hit me up earlier and they said they're females three. They're trying it out. I don't know what's happening. I was like, it's that extra year, man. I don't know. And uh, and approved right for that person too. So females need to go four years. And that is fine with me because this was our fourth year. And I probably have the only video of them copulating i haven't seen anyone post a video of them copulating so if you want to see that it's on instagram somewhere maybe we'll post as a story later yeah we should do that because i mean they're very interesting animals and to the way that they hate humans so they don't want to be seen by you so while they're breeding i definitely didn't want to be near them but turns out they actually kind of hate each other too when they (laughs) breed because like they didn't they didn't just like like corn snakes eventually they'll submit and then they're static and they're in one place breeding no 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 the louisiana pine the female was always trying to get away so the the female was always pacing the the tub and the male was always just on riding her back al- riding along her. yeah and she was trying to get away from him while copulating while if i opened the tub they would hiss at me and while copulating while moving around and hating each other so it's like it's silly it's so silly but we ended up we ended up hatching out two beautiful baby uh louisiana pine snakes which i'm happy about because they come out like the size of baby ball pythons and they eat like they could eat an adult mouse when they first come out of the egg it's amazing and And they eat they eat they eat there's no, I mean, there's only two, so obviously sample size is much smaller than corns and kings, um, but they do eat because they are little voracious everythings. Well, they they don't like take off the tongs. They're not like that kind of thing because they get too angry. So you kind of they're the like you drop it in and then you leave it. And too wait angry overnight. to eat. Just yeah. Also, I wouldn't want my hand. <laughs> Uh, in front of them for that long, mm-hmm. to be honest. So Sarah's inspiration asks if you can breed king snakes together, and yeah. So Florida and California, of course you can. It is uh, they're both Lampropeltis, same genus, as well as they are uh, actually same species. There's different subspecies. Lampropeltis catala. Could you do so? Yeah, so you can breed a them together with without a goin eye. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Don't get any ideas, though. I have no interest, but... 
Just interest. Just <laughs> inter- no interest, but I was just wondering. Um, okay, we are over an hour. I only wanted to do this for an hour, so let's get to our big announcement. Are mm. <laughs> all 19 people watching right now? <laughs> da, da, da. But there's so, more people listening. There will be later when we release this in future. <laughs> In the future, future people listening. downloads. What? We're getting next year. <laughs> um, so, uh, kind of the year of changes and to con- continue with changes and understanding like our followers more, understanding our audience and our customers, on un- just understanding all of you guys better. Um, we felt. Do you want to say it? Or are you okay with me saying it? No, I kind of wanted to add it to what you were saying to where kind of everything about this year has led up to educating us to where we need to be to make our next step. Meaning like all the all the hours of the shows, you know, those months where we literally did a show every single weekend, mm-hmm. all of that prepared us and gave us the knowledge to make the next move because we realize what's working, what's not working, and we can adjust from there. So a lot of what we saw this year is that our corn snakes aren't going to the people who are listening to this podcast. For the most part. No, this is this is a conversation between enthusiasts, what we're doing right now. So I am talking, I love reptiles beyond normal comprehension, which is the same with if you're li- if anyone who's listening to this, you like reptiles beyond, beyond normal comprehension. And I'm glad that this exists to further that enthusiasm. But we also realize that all of our corn snakes are going Still, to pet For the homes. most part. I can name three people in the chat right now who have our That's corn true. snakes. So thank you. for the, It's only three out of the however, <laughs> you know, 80 we sold this year. Way more than that. Yeah. And I mean, there's but. even clutches of animals where we're like, oh, the people who are looking to breed will often get certain clutches of ours. And people right. who are looking for pets are just looking for the animals that look a certain way. And they buy those, which right. is also another interesting thing. But a majority of our customers or people who buy from us are first-time pet pet keepers or people it might not be their first time, but they have no interest in breeding these right now. They might have six corn snakes, but they got all of them because they like how they look or they, they really like snakes. But their breeding isn't where they're trying to go, and they're also not deep, deep in reptiles. You know, they they like reptiles or into them, but they don't want to know about a guy going to Morocco climbing in holes (laughs) or about the super dwarf drama or whatever any of that is. And so we felt like it was best to actually create a separate YouTube channel for those people because we always felt so conflicted like, oh, our podcast is on here, but then we have to make videos And we don't want to dumb it down. Right. We don't want our podcast, you know, be like, only for first time keepers or you know um, like we just we wanted to keep our podcast where it was but we also since we produce more podcasts than we do youtube videos we didn't want to turn people off who like came to our channel and are like oh this is all like higher level podcasts i don't want to subscribe to these people because i'm going to get all these notifications for a podcast that i don't want to listen to Mm mm-hmm um, yeah, and we felt that that is actually hurting our actual videos that we're putting out there because people um, people don't click on the podcast because they don't have two hours to invest in high level talk about anthogenetic color change or deleterious genes. <laughs> Shout out Travis Wyman. Yeah, he was in the top ten. 
but uh of our episodes this year but yeah i mean it can get deep and i understand most people don't want that and therefore we're going to make kind of base level for people who are just looking to keep animals i think oftentimes like you were talking about that person doesn't necessarily want to talk about some guy herping him in morocco but they may want to get as deep into keeping their one corn snake which is what i really want to to pay attention to is people that they actually love their one corn snake so much that they want to, you know, to provide know. the world for it yeah. and do everything that they can for it. And that's a different person. That's someone who's trying to seek, you know, happiness through their animals and also through uh, through the keeping of those animals. Right. So we want to produce content, just tell people how to keep, tell people how to um, do all the beginner things that we are all into, you know, that we all got started doing and kind of walk people through it. So I think that we need to start, we're going to start something like that. And then to go along with that, we are actually starting and we're going to be launching a new YouTube channel, which is going to be Port City Pet. And I'm going to put Port City Pet, the link to it down in the description. I would love it if you went to go follow it because we don't get any we don't get any of the perks. We don't even get to make our own thumbnails unless we have like a thousand followers, right. which is kind of a pain. So right now, if you go to the Port City Pets YouTube channel, you won't see so any. So it's Port City Pet with. Excuse me. I, I'm going to mess that up a lot. Port City Pet. Um, if you go to the Port City Pet YouTube channel, you won't see any videos, mainly because if you do not have a certain amount of followers, YouTube doesn't put your video out there you said it doesn't let you monetize it it doesn't let you put a thumbnail like there's so many things that youtube doesn't do so we at least want to have a couple people there right right so definitely go and follow that page um and then in we have a video recorded um we just want to wait to put Mm -hmm. it out um but this is just and it's not saying that like okay you know like aaron aaron has what 10 snakes now it's not saying that like it doesn't. It won't appeal to those people or people like right. cor- who have been keeping corns for a while. Like it'll still appeal to you, and it might be some stuff you already know. But it, we want to try to, you know, get a little bit both in there. And I feel like we've even had videos like that in the past. Just the fact is that it's kind of off-putting with our other with the content. podcast, right? So this yeah. page will just be for the. Po- Are we changing the name of this page? I couldn't remember if we decided to do that. Yeah, so this will actually be Port City Python's, uh, podcast? Python's podcast. Yeah, so Port City Python's podcast is going to be this channel. And so, you know, we're still going to recommend this to people who want to get that deeper understanding. Um, we just, it, it better fits in with the YouTube algorithm to keep them separate and to not turn people off. Because if you didn't know, like, if And you, we can keep it PG. It's a lot easier to keep it PG. The other channel. Yeah, yeah. Because we've already <laughs> non-PG'd this thing up already. Um, and it's... So if you don't know, the YouTube algorithm, if you, like, subscribe to someone and hit the notification thing, if you are getting the notifications and you don't follow through on those notifications, they will send They'll you less. They'll it, stop yeah. sending you those notifications. So I'm sure people follow our channel and subscribe and they get the notification for the podcast every week, but they're not into the not podcast. Not even just the notification, just it shows up in your subscription feed. Right. And they, it shows up, but they're not interested, so they don't click it. So then YouTube doesn't show them anything. Right. So our next video gets skipped because they haven't liked the podcast before. Right. Or so watch like, the podcast. So it's kind of unfair to everyone. So, to, uh, it's it's hurting it us way. and they're not seeing our videos that might actually appeal to them. And now I think we have the opportunity to kind of 
to build something new for yeah you know and it's weird because like i said this whole year was spent learning and looking at the top of the mountain and being like we've already done this for three years but i feel like we're just starting aren't we like Baby, we've almost been dating for three years. Well, that's what, not what I was thinking about. I was. But it's like, it's been three years of us trying to do this, right? Yeah. And <laughs> and it's crazy to think that we're kind of like, in a way, we're starting over. It's scary. I mean, we had we've had probably, what, 10 conversations about this before we decided to do it another thing of like the risk taker and the the poo-pooer tattoo papu what poo-pooer um and it just is like i was scared to start over and it's like like joe said we've worked so hard for three years to get the followers that we do have and just i'm like is it going to be another three years to get the other channel going like it sounds terrifying um but once we talked more about the YouTube algorithm and like, you know, making sense for our customers. Like the more we talked about like, that. It's like short term decision is like, blah, blah, blah. But long term, your voice is necessary. that. <laughs> um, that was, your, I don't know. but it's like, you know, we, we try to figure out what, what will best suit us going forward and that's it. And, and along with that, along with the new Port City Pet channel will be a new website. Which I think we're going to launch even, in spring. Yeah, that's not happening for a little bit. Um, but wait, I want to back it up. Yeah. So I think what really convinced me um, of doing the Port City Pet channel, Pet, no S, um, is just how many, to- um, how many times we get the same question at our shows. Mm-hmm. And we want to be able to refer people straight to a specific video. Even so, if it's as simple as we sell a springtail, I want to have a video of us setting up springtails, but I also want to have a video of us setting up the corn snake. Right. Yeah. Um there's so many little specific things that we could make a 10 minute video on. Like mm-hmm. it's so easy to talk for 10 minutes. Yeah. You don't even realize it. Especially um, when you get good at it. We've been talking way too much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're doing this for an hour and 23. Yeah, exactly. So, like the beginning of our Port City Pet Channel is simply going to be like how to buy a corn snake when you go to a show like what do you need to do or what are corn snakes eating um a question we get a lot is like when someone buys a baby we tell them what it's eating right then but people don't know exactly the progression and when to move up and i think there's definitely a lot of misguided information about there about moving up the size of feeding for corn snakes and like how often whatever that is so things like that there's just no visual representations no one's brought this education to the next level for a lot of these pets and i don't want to just stop at corn snakes i would love to go to a local breeder of ball pythons talk about keeping ball pythons talk about breeding or keeping crested geckos we want to get very specific and answer people's questions and it's not and we're not talking about like breeder setups we're talking about keeper keeper setups. setups so it's not like i think a lot of times we educate people for to like become a to keep how we keep and we need to stop doing that because as breeders, we're breeders and we're going to keep in a way that's commercially viable. If you are just a regular everyday keeper, you got to get more out it. of yeah, it. It's going to be different. You, you get can, a lot more out more... of your animal and out of your setup. And just from me 
me experimenting myself, meaning I've been keeping snakes since, I mean, I have a snake that's 14 years old, but I've been keeping snakes before that. And not very consciously, you know, I just kept one, you know, when I was a kid. And yeah, but you've been through college, basic training in the military, like you went through all of that and still have this snake. So it means yeah, a lot that and it's that long. and I've been doing this for a while and I've been breeding. It's been five years that I've been breeding and we I've kind some of, of those hit, questions. Yeah, yeah. And part of it is like I hit a wall and didn't realize that. I had such a big disconnect between myself and the person who was actually buying our snake because I didn't realize that I need to actually go back and think about how I kept that one corn snake more so than how I keep corn snakes now. It's more important to know the base information. So I want to get people that, that base information and I also want to, you know, I've also been in a rut with keeping snakes and now that i'm building this eight foot large olive python enclosure i am getting super excited just to keep a snake a snake that i already have but it feels like a different experience when i put it in that enclosure so it's like i am so excited for that and this is honestly this process of building a naturalistic enclosure has kind of bred new energy into my keeping and breeding experience and i'm more excited to breed snakes now than i think i've ever been not not breed snakes to keep snakes now than what i've ever been and i'm excited to in this new year to put out new products that will help us uh keep these snakes yeah. better and that's part of the port city pet thing so it's like port city pet is a youtube channel but it's also kind of just expanding what we're doing for our customers. So like Joe said, there's going to be a website. And on that website, you can see things like Aspen just for your one snake. You know, and we're going to be selling stuff like that at shows. Like when we go to a show and someone buys a corn snake from us, we want to be like, here, here's a bag of bedding. Here's a bag of bedding just for what you need. You don't yes. have to buy no guesswork, thing, no right? go over to the guy across. Right. Here's your bag. This will last you X amount of days, whatever. Here's your enclosure that is mostly escape proof. What we feel is escape proof. <laughs> Someone will probably prove us wrong and find a way to get there. That's like, not idiot proof. <laughs> <laughs> um, or here is your hide or here is your heat pad. Like we want to be able to sell all those things to those people. Um, and so it's just us expanding our mentality into those keepers and connecting more with our, uh, with our market. And ultimately, I mean, keeping snakes better. I mean, they're, Ultimately, if we're able to provide all these different things, people are keeping their snakes better. And that's really I'm sick of people coming up and telling me that their snake escaped. So I'm excited to to and whether this is a five year journey of us trying to solve this problem, that's fine, because I already know how I'm going to solve it. I don't have the money to solve it. <laughs> yeah, it's just making the money to do it. <laughs> so it's like, you know, we're going to take baby steps to get there. So it's like, I don't I don't know if people realize that, that building, you know, whether it's building a company or a product or anything like that, or just building, creating any vision into reality is that if your vision is good enough, it's going to take you years to get there. And every single thing that we have ever done in this industry I think 
has can attest to that. Meaning that nothing's ever come easily and fast, and everything, every shortcut that you try to take has a long end somewhere <laughs> you know like something else will go and it's like you're not gonna be you can't you can't acquire a bunch of animals and be rich in a year i mean everyone knows that i think at this point and uh and that goes for every single thing so we're gonna be building this up and uh i'm so thankful for you guys to be here in this present moment and to support sure. it to support us right now but it is going to be so much different, I feel, next year when we're doing this. Uh, I'm saying just, this because I want to put it out there because I can work harder to, not to make it a reality. Voice. Yes, to reach puberty. <laughs> I've been trying. We always want to you know, try new things and best support people and everything like that. Um, so it's like while we are you know, adding this new YouTube channel and all of that, we're also... I would like to dip our toes more into breeding corn snake or king snake, excuse me. Now, not a lot, because Joe and I have also had many talks about like what is our max capacity for. She's gonna have to start taking care of these animals. What is our max capacity for breeding snakes? Um, a couple of our podcasts even talked about that. Like, what is your threshold? And for our like house status and time status right now, we're we're pretty we're, we're pretty we're close to that it. to that threshold. Um, but I kind of want to breed some more king snakes just because I like them. <laughs> but I hate them. You don't have to work with them, man. If but you they, had to work with them, you'd be like, but like, but babe, oh. the, the Brooks came out eating all. Oh, like, the see, are that's great. what I'm saying. The EBKs are, are different. Great. I'm not trying to. Do you, no, so no, EBKs are perfect. EBKs. They don't eat. Oh yeah, well. Besides, but they don't want to eat my finger. Either. That's the nice part. Get a Cali King, and you know, that's yeah. A different oh, story. I'm not doing any Cali Kings. Okay. No, we're done with Cali Kings. Okay, thank I'm, God. We're done with Cali. I had a flashback, but I would love bit. to do more Brooks. I think the Brooks oh, are great. I love they the don't eat us. Or they oh, don't they're try fucking to eat. crazy, man. No, no, they'll eat you. <laughs> I called the Brooks. The, the Mama Brooks. She was great. Oh yeah, yeah. They're sweet until they get into feeding mode, and it. it honestly, I've seen such a jump in like breeding season and stuff like that they seem to be really seasonal with how they act really meaning like when when she was used to being fed and when the male was used to being fed they just were crazy and the the brooks will launch out of their enclosures and wrap up a pinky and fall on the floor type of thing <laughs> yeah the the brooks are pretty crazy yeah. i mean king things are just way more food intense we do than have other one ones. baby that's only on live though I have one of our grow outs. Really? One of yeah. our whole packs. One of our, I can't one of our brooks. It. Yeah, I don't know why. I always had live from the beginning and still on yeah. live. King Snakes are fun, but they're definitely. They're, they're easy to get going. They definitely have a lot more energy than our corn snakes do. And you <laughs> have to watch like your you have to energy. watch your fingers just a little bit more. And they musk a bit more and they bite a little bit more. And yeah. when they bite, they don't let go. But like, you know, I love the going eye. Dude, that snake is absolutely nuts. Yeah, I know. It's funny. I said I love going eye, <laughs> and I asked Joe for a going eye for a year, and he got me it. Guess how many times I've touched it? Twice, cause it's psycho. Oh, it's nuts. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's so much fun though, because it's a little guy. And so maybe I don't want to get any kings, but I just really like how they look. <laughs> well, um, and and also that snake's not really a biter, more of a uh, more of a flighty guy, which is not. I don't mind that really. Yeah, we're also going to be getting into rat snakes soon, kind of by accident um, or by association with Mike Kosicki. Um, we have a blue-eyed Lucy rat snake uh -huh. 
What else? Do we and have? that and the het leucistic. So we're going to be breeding those. Hopefully not this year, but, but next, next year. year we have black rats. Yeah. We'll have gray rats. Yeah. In the gray next... rats in a very long time. Okay. Well, the black rats though are not this year, but next year, right? Yeah. Um. So like, yeah, we're kind of we're going to be expanding our. Oh, we have. Oh no, those are corns. Never mind. Um. We don't have ever two Everglades anymore, right? Nope. Just one. Just one. Uh. They got out. <laughs> like corn snakes or rat snakes do, which are the cousin. Um, but yeah, so we're definitely we're always trying to do more for you guys and expand and kind of find what we're into and what we want to do. Yeah, there's also things that we do and and legitimately like our heart isn't in it, so we move on, and that's also you know part of the the thing. And I think that um, part of expanding into products this year has been an eye opener in different ways and I reached one failure and I stopped but the one success is still ringing true from something I did about a year ago so so it's like uh yeah so Joe's always said like you know his passion is breeding snakes but if he wants to make this a full-time job the supplies are kind of the where to where to go and because I would be miserable if I if I just if I had to sell snakes for money I just can't do it yeah supplies and like springtail stuff like that everyone said like feeders like you know the feeder people are set for life everyone always needs feeders um I mean, it's not an easy job don't no get, it's, don't no, get me wrong no, no. You but it's something that do, it's rodents, something that's but. always you know I think we'll always it's be always in demand because right. people keep snakes and yeah. same with supplies and right. so we definitely want to try to you know come up with different supplies and different ways to package things for the one snake keeper or the two snake keeper and we can actually further the hobby I think I think a lot of times and one of the eye-opening things for me on on breeding things like corn snakes is the fact that breeders for so long have been breeding just for looks Mm-hmm. And not the overall health of the animal. And I think that kind of shows through. And I think that us breeding prettier corn snakes, although it is kind of moving the phenotype to the next level, it's creating awesome animals that people can breed into the future. That's one way of creating a legacy, right? But I feel like we have the opportunity in a space that we're in right now to change the way that people keep snakes in general or think of snakes because I think that we're still very rudimentary on all. I mean, guys, go back and listen to the Social Rattlesnakes podcast with Melissa and Joe and um, and you'll see the fact that these snakes are a lot more than we give them credit and that we can take their keeping to the next level. And I think that's exactly what we're going to do. And we have the opportunity to do so. It's one thing to leave your legacy with the most beautiful purple coral ghost corn snake you've ever seen or pink and purple corn snake you've ever seen. And it's another thing to make keeping better for the millions of people who keep animals and the millions of people that will keep animals into the future and the future of the hobby. Because quite frankly, if I can set up an enclosure that has naturalistic materials and it looks good, damn, does it look so much better to someone writing a law than a tub with paper towels and one water bowl. And it does. I'm sorry. That's just the very, it's when, when you take strangers into your collection and you show them the way you keep they judge you 
and it's negatively. And I want to be a positive part of this hobby and therefore I want to move it forward and therefore I want people to see it as a positive thing and that keeping is not breeding and therefore keeping includes large enclosures that are done nicely and are given a lot of attention to so I'm much like Benjamin Yunker who's in the comments now he's one guy who He's starting to have a lot of animals, but every single animal is in like a amazing, amazing enclosure with custom backgrounds. With Benjamin puts so much effort into and thought into any of his, and they all have all cameras them. in them, right? And I'm, and it's like though we're not saying you have to do that, like right. I'm not saying you have to give your corn snake, but as a 60, snake keeper, right? But I'm saying yeah. you like starting out with a you know twenty gallon whatever. I think it's fine uh, but it's putting the right bedding putting that hide putting that water bowl putting yeah. that stuff in there that goes into it you don't have to have the backdrops whatever but if you have the ability to and i think if we can make the bedding and the hides and all that at a price level for that keeper because mm-hmm. most keepers you know they come to a show and like okay i drop you know a hundred dollars on my animal but then it's like five hundred dollars on the stuff but they don't need a huge big bag of Aspen. One, where are they going to keep that in their house? Probably. Also, they just don't need it. And they don't, there's so many things that like are sold for the people who have a lot. Of we snakes, often cater like, to people like us. And I think at reptile shows, we probably do that too much as far as so many, so many people are catering towards people in bulk, which makes sense. That's what right. I mean, so much for, our but. bulk and, and the idea is yeah. that bulk is cheaper in the long run. But right now, a family might not want to drop $400 in total on everything they need. So if we can sell them just a little bag of Aspen. And there's more of the confusion. Like Like a lot of times, they don't even care about how much money it costs. It's the confusion of trying to get the right things. Yeah, definitely. So it's like, how can we just make everything easier? And and that doesn't just go to corn snakes. It goes to all different kinds of snakes. And I mean, this is something that we've been, as far as substrate, like I don't believe that corn snakes should be kept on paper almost ever and i I don't discourage people who do it but at the same time (laughs) (laughs) yeah now that sounds stupid and hypocritical huh but i don't discourage people who do it but you can see the fact that our baby corn snakes need that you know two to three inches of aspen to go and hide and they'll use that to their They'll use that, and I think that enriches their life and keeps them more secure. So that is something that I believe and that I want to perpetuate going forward, that we can think deeply even on a uh, – and I don't want to speak for breeders and stuff like that because I know that everyone's got to make money and your profit margin is taken down if you need to provide enclosures for everything. But we can do a lot for our tubs, so we can make the most out of our tubs, and then I can educate the keepers. Just know that when I say things – about about keeping corn snakes um, is going to be more catered on that Port City Pet Channel. Is going to be more catered towards the keepers. Therefore, you know what are we doing on uh, on this channel? Just talking to breeders, but um, we can talk directly, basically, to keepers. And if I tell you you need three inches of substrate, I mean that's just a general rule of thumb. If you're a breeder, you may know what you're doing. And uh, I respect everyone's way of keeping in every which way. And I'm excited to get this new this new kind of 
a stage of business of life of all this thing going on because uh we weren't able to to invest much money last year we were kind of looking to just keep it going and do a bunch of reptile shows and we sure did and it was an amazing time and it was great meeting all of you guys who have been to all of our shows and so many people who are in the live chat you know like Benjamin and Aaron, definitely for sure. People who are local that met us at the shows. All these other people have been in the chat for so much, and we appreciate you guys as well. And uh, But just all the people that we didn't know, but now we know just for going to these shows is great. And we want to continue to do the shows, but um, maybe sell supplies while we're selling animals as well. And uh, I'm waiting for Melissa to come back because I was going to close this podcast, but now she's mysteriously gone. So now I'm trying to talk to myself. It is eerily hard to talk to yourself for this amount of time, especially when you're me. But I really look forward to 2020 and 2019. Good riddance, but... uh, (laughs) like i said it was a great learning experience but it's kind of one of those experiences kind of like boot camp where you looking back on it you had fun but you never want to do it again so i definitely never want to do this year over again but i do not regret anything and we had an amazing time and i hope you can all go follow us on port city pet on youtube and uh, i hope just everyone's excited for the new year because i am and here's melissa finally thank you God for coming back. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> so I was going to close this thing out. Okay, go follow Port City Pet. Port City Pet on YouTube. I will put the link down in the description. Um, I just bought portcitypet.com. I figured since we were going to oh announce God. this, I had to buy the domain so that no one was stealing that, under us. That's scary. Yeah, I thought you were just gonna make it like a tab in the other one. Never mind. We'll talk about this later. Not for the podcast. Yeah. Um. On Instagram, we are Port City Pythons. On Facebook, we are still Port City Pythons. Obviously, it's so maybe weird. we'll change it eventually on Instagram, but I don't know. Not for now. For now, we'll Port City it. Pythons. Here, this is gonna be Port City Pythons podcast, and then we have Port City Pet. Um. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe we'll change it. It's confusing, but just some things are still in the air. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I mean, like our business cards and everything still so say Port City Python. So, yes. Okay, guys, have a good night. Have a good rest of your year. Have a good holiday time. And if you don't celebrate the holidays right now, happy holidays. Have a good couple of weeks. Everyone celebrates <laughs> the end of the year because it has to happen. There you go. Um, whatever it is you're looking forward to doing in the next year. I suggest you go for it. Um, Whatever it is, do it. You'll feel better about trying at least. And if you fail, that's okay also. If all your babies are dead in the egg, it's okay. I was talking about life, not just just (laughs) reptiles, just in life and everything. Like, you know, the new year is always a time to reflect and make goals. It's either a time to get, I mean, most of the time, it's a time to start new, even though it's nothing. Nothing changes. It's just a number changes, but it's a good way to block your time and say, I'm going to put in this concerted effort for this amount of time, and we're going to see what happens at the end of this. And uh, I'm excited to see what happens at the end of this. Yeah, and it's also the year that the Saints and LSU both win at all. 
you know. you're making some assumptions, but yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, Todd said the non-risk taker, go for it. But yeah, yeah. go for <laughs> calculated goals. <laughs> go Meaning like cal- go to school and go- <laughs> I don't know, go work out. <laughs> everyone, like I should be. Or whatever. Yeah, that's you're like on the, that now. That's the that normal goal now. that everyone makes. You know, like, oh, I'm going to work out or eat healthier or whatever. So make those attainable goals. Um, but yeah, okay, let's actually end this. We started this intro. Yeah, for sure. Thank you guys so much for listening. We meant to do this for an hour, but it's an hour and 45, which is okay because our podcasts are usually two hours. So hopefully with just us, you put up with us for this amount of time. Yeah. Okay. Good night. Thank you guys so much for listening. PortCityPetDowns.com, PortCityPet.com. <laughs> There's nothing there, but you can go see the blank screen and know that I own that shiz because I wouldn't say this without owning the domain. Thank you guys so much for being here. <laughs> end it. End it. End it. Send it. Ooh, 2020. Here we go. We may See have you something. Next year. I may put out a podcast before then, but it's a super secret one that's been hidden for months. Oh, I'll God. tell you later. Oh, okay, bye. I forgot about it for a second. <laughs>